okay. <laughs> and and that was also what Brooklyn sounds like late at night, about 3 a.m., only for a few minutes. Uh, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and we thank you very much for that. My name is Billy C. I was with you a little while ago. And thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. It is 2 o'clock and time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit on the airwaves here. But first, I want to let you know that Radio Free Brooklyn has been on the air for four whole years. Four Faux, faux, as uh, Moses Malone once said. And we're celebrating our anniversary with a big blowout party on Friday, June 14th from 6 to 10 p.m. Outdoors in the big backyard at Tradesman Bar, which is at 222 Bushwick Avenue. That's the Montrose Avenue stop on the L train. It's free. But you know, of course, we're a nonprofit, so we would really dig it if you could drop a donation on us. If you've spent any time at all, at all with us in the past four years, we cordially invite you to please come on by and let's meet up, as the kids say these days. Our hosts, volunteers, listeners, and listeners-to-be will all be there in the flesh. And what's better than a backyard party hosted by host? Now, if it rains, and I know some of you worry about stuff like that, we have an indoor option. So we'd like some more information about that, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, our four-year anniversary party on the 14th of June at 6 o'clock p.m., Tradesman's Bar at 222 Bushwick Avenue right here in Bushwick, L-Train, Montrose Stop. Come on down, sit right in, and baby, let your hair hang down. All right, Dr. Lisa gives a shit on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm Billy C. sitting in. Our guest today is David Kramer, and uh, he is here with us. And guess who is also with us? Lisa. Hello. Hey, hey, Billy. I'm right here. Hello. Can you guys hear me? We can hear you fine. Yeah. Hey, hey, Billy. Hey, David. Are you there? I'm. I'm here. I, this is uh, you phoning it in. I guess. Right. Yeah. How, how's Billy? Does he know how to handle the board? Okay. Do you think? <laughs> He's he's been a good host so far. I'm he's just, not as good as me though. No, is he? no, no, <laughs> no, no, of course not. But he shows up actually. He's here, though. He shows up. He doesn't just uh, you know call in from uh, wherever. <laughs> <laughs> he actually cares enough yeah. about my show to be there in person. How about that? How about that? Lisa, I haven't yeah, talked on the phone since the '90s. I'm used to texting people, know, so this I is know. this is pretty great actually. Um, Throwback. So anyway, I just want to say a word to my listeners or the listeners if, uh, out there. Um, I'm at an artist retreat. Can you believe this, folks? So uh, one of my co-hosts, you know, our, our fellow colleague co-hosts at Radio Free Brooklyn, Billy C., is is help is manning the station and manning uh, David Kramer while I'm sort of doing this interview with David, but or session, but uh, David's been on the show before, and the reason it's so important to 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 us at Radio Free Brooklyn to have David Kramer on the show today is because he's having a big solo show that's opening tomorrow at Front Room. Billy, did you know that about David? You know, I, I heard that uh, actually. Actually, I heard that in yeah, the last couple of days. Nervous? Do you think he's nervous about the show? Well, he's no. so he's so nervous. He just handed me a postcard, <laughs> so, and he For wasn't sh- and he wasn't shaking when he did it. So, we need yeah. visuals, really? even though it's Does radio. He want you to 
come? Yeah, David, I'm... do you want Billy to come to the opening? Oh, sure. Oh, it's Friday. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. We need bodies there. Okay. David, <laughs> right do you know voice. what you're going to wear to the opening? That's what I want to know. Yeah. No, I haven't. Uh, that is, um, I haven't given that much thought. I hope it's not, it's uh, not too hot. Because I'm a, I'm a, I, I you perspire. About what you're gonna wear? I perspire at uh, openings under the hot lights. So I'm, I'm gonna wear probably a black t-shirt, something that masks my, uh, my pores. So. <laughs> well, um, so anyway, uh, so I'm gonna do a little bit of introduction here myself, just so we can all get to know each other before we really launch into like picking David apart, which I'm, which I love doing. <laughs> David's been on my show more than anybody else, partly mo- a couple of times by radio and a couple of times in person, but. Billy, why don't we get it? Get like what you do at the radio. So tell us about your shows, and we'll we'll put that out there first. And the, before we get into the other part, okay. Before we get to Billy the good has part, two shows. <laughs> David, did you know Billy has two shows on Radio Free Brooklyn? Two shows. Two shows. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead, Billy. Tell you have two shows show. on Radio Free Brooklyn. I have one uh, that just went off went off a couple of uh, minutes ago, about an hour ago, called the Attitude Adjustment Show, and it's just about. Uh, Adjusting your attitude, just dropping in to see what condition your condition is in, like that. And it's, a, it's more up-tempo. Music. It's music. music. It's music, and it's up-tempo. You know, help you clean the floor, you know. Upbeat uh, music. Yeah, put the kids to bed so you can have a drink and watch the prices right. <laughs> right, right, at 11, <laughs> at 11 in the morning. At 11 in the morning. Because, you know, I'm, I'm told that's a mom's life, so, I mean, what do that's I That's the kind of dad, I bet that's the kind of dad Kramer, Kramer was when his kid was little. That's right. That's right. Oh, he has his wife. No, never mind. Go ahead. Yes, and, and uh, my Go other ahead. show Go is. Ahead. What's the other show? The other What's show? The other show? We got to move this. The other show is called Cosmic Debris. It's on Sunday night at eleven o'clock p.m. It's a little more eclectic pop and change of tempos, jumping genres, you know, uh, mood, moods, stuff like that. But all music. It, it, it's it's less it's it's not it's not it's it's more like when you come down from all the speed in the afternoon, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like uh, yeah. when you wake up after that two day acid trip. <laughs> you don't waste time with the right, interviews. Right, right. You go right to the music. Time. Go right to the music. You don't want to talk to right, nobody. Right. You just put right. some dire straits on and leave me alone. <laughs> Okay, so you guys got to listen to Billy's show. Any anybody who listen to my show, you go listen to Billy's show because Billy is. Yes. Great. Okay. So uh, let's go to David. David, uh, so you have this, uh, it's, it's, it's quite, quite a feat to, I'm talking to you, you listeners, if you don't know shit about like what a big deal it is to have a solo show, it's a really big fucking deal for any artist, let alone like a really great gallery front room. David's having a show at the front room. In the Lower East Side, which is at 54 Hester? Uh, I have to look at the card. I give it 48. Uh, look at the card. <laughs> 48 Hester. Corner of Hester and Ludlow. Hester. Yeah. It's right on the corner and at street the level. the opening is tomorrow, and David's been working really hard. I know David. I've been in touch with David. He's worked his fucking ass off on this show, uh, and his work is hilarious. It's really funny. It's... Um, I'm going to have, it's, it's really, it's smart, but it's really also very entertaining. But David, tell us about 
your work and tell us about the work that's going to be in the show so we can know. Well, let's see. So I usually, uh, when people say like, well, well, you're an artist, what, what kind of art do you do? I usually say I'm a painter, which is really only part of what I do. But then when they say, what kind of paintings do you make? I usually tell them that I make really bad photorealist paintings. That's sort of what the <laughs> genre is. But I, uh, I, I don't like to think of myself as a text-based artist, but that is exactly what I am. I write, I, <laughs> I write and I write on my paintings, and the paintings are about the relationships between, well, the text is the relationship between the text and the image, which usually gives you this kind of um, feeling about, uh, you know, I, I, it's sort of self-reflective, and, but it's universal. I, it's very self-reflective for me, but I think a lot of people get the sentiment of, Sort of walking around feeling like, uh, hey, it wasn't supposed to turn out like this. It was supposed to turn out better. <laughs> That's my usual uh, theme. Yeah, so uh, there's kind of they're kind of funny, funny cynicism in there. Yeah, yeah. and um, they can see your work at D Kramer five thousand on Instagram. That's a great That's right. place to see the work if you want to look at it and not just hear about it. And so yeah. I also uh, make other things. And in this show, I'm pretty excited because there's a sculpture, uh, there's a video, there's a hook rug, and then there are these paintings on canvas. So it's a kind of a multimedia affair over there at the front room tomorrow night. So, so there's a hook rug, even crafts. You even got crafts in it. Yeah. But this is great. I really. You made a hook rug, which is so weird. I started making these hook rugs and I found myself buying my art supplies over in Michael's at the craft store. So that was very. Uh, that made me very nervous. So first I started making kittens because of that. And then I'm. This one, though, I have a big tire that I made because I want to. It's a little transgressive. I needed something to show that, you know, this, the guys can make crafts also. That's what the. Uh, why why don't you describe the ty- the tire sculpture installation piece? Because that's fucking rocking. Well, the the show it. that uh, uh, kind of emerged because uh, last year, a friend of mine who's a curator uh, took a photograph that he sent to me of a stack of tires that were had a big American flag. There was like a stack of tires that was made into an American flag. They were painted painted red, white, and blue with stars and. The tires sort of made the stripes, and it was this thing totally turned me on, and I we became really interested in making one of these. And I told the guys at the front room, I uh, I kind of pitched this idea to them that I want to do this big tire sculpture and just put it out front of the gallery. And uh, they really did not really care for that idea, but I they didn't. I didn't know that. Those guys are so great. I promised so to. F- they actually put, they pushed back on you. I, I promised to flush it out with a bunch of other works, like paintings and stuff, and they were interested. Well, what were their objections? Well, uh, you know, the, I mean, honestly, even though... Was it practical or aesthetic or both? Well, I think there was some suspect that, uh, you know, I was basically going to replicate something I'd seen in a photograph, but I just felt like the need to have to make this thing. You know, it really is uh-huh. a reflection. My friend, uh, John Massier, who's a curator uh, up in Buffalo at Hall Walls, he took the picture. And Buffalo, New York uh-huh. is a place where, you know, I mean, it's it's New York, but it's still kind of Trumpville and... And so this right. thing really is a very kind of uh, in-your-face kind of Trumpian kind of trope. And uh, mm-hmm. and I felt like it was important to make it and plop it down in the middle of Lower East Side just because I thought it was humorous. And I have—and then 
on the back of my flag, which you can only see when you come into the gallery, is the word fucked. (laughs) 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 And they really objected to that because they have a three-year-old that runs around the gallery all the time. But they told me she can't spell. She can just identify letters. So, so. But yeah. uh, the piece, I think, is really heavy because I think it is. Uh, I had this funny thing happen about a year ago. I went into a pharmacy and I, it was super sunny and I, they were selling really cheap American flag baseball caps and I bought one. And then my son, like, totally like tore a strip out of me. Like, what's wrong with you wearing an American flag? So to me, it's like a very interesting Why? kind what of. What was his point? His point what was, was his point? that American flag is owned by the right wing of this country. And by wearing one, I was somehow identifying with this kind of uh, right, <laughs> with the hardcore right. And I, I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it as a cheap, lightweight hat that I could wear while I rode a bicycle <laughs> so I wouldn't get a sunburn on my bald head. But he, he you know, so, so he had this whole other uh, view of it. And I, I, I kind of, so anyway, that's why this piece, making this piece. Did he and, ruin it? Did he ruin it? Like, oh, God, now I can't wear this. It's, I think it's, I ruined it for him because he moved to Canada, actually. <laughs> he lives in Montreal now. So. <laughs> I think we all ruined it for him in some way. He's gone. He's in Montreal and trying to uh, trying to separate from Canada also right now. So, so anyway, uh, but that piece uh, was really kind of like symptomatic and most of the work I do, even though I say, like, I'm not really a text-based artist because I am really interested in the stories. And I think that somehow that American flag piece kind of uh, on the tires kind of involves all that story. So so that's sort of my... Yeah, uh, that, yeah. Uh, well, you know. I, I think that, uh, I think, you know, the, that your work has a lot of, is mainly visual, impactfully visual. Yeah. Um, and the are sort of like part are part of the sto- are like part of the storytelling. I can totally see that, but it's not like um, you know some work where it's really all about the text. It's really it really is a very they're very integrated. Very. I'm integrated. trying to write. I'm always trying to make some kind of story, even if you know, because I, I think uh, basically language. Uh, well, I come from like I'm dyslexic. I have a I've always had a hard time with language. Language to me has always been. Uh, sort of uh, out of my grasp, I can't spell, and, and uh, even now, I, even I type in on computer sometimes words, and they're just not recognized. They don't autocorrect because they are unrecognizable. <laughs> so you know, you your own language. Uh, yeah. Then? So to me, language has always been kind of you like a complex David, thing. You need Kramer. You need Kramer translate. Yes, app. exactly. So nonetheless, I uh, I do feel like the, sometimes I say things and think they have a certain meaning. And then I'll be told by someone like my wife, oh, that is not what that word means. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I think, well, anyway, I think that, uh, so this piece, the tires are sort of the centerpiece of this show, but I think that's... Are you going to put, are they going to be installed outside for the opening? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's the idea. They were really, I was hoping to just keep the stack of tires out in front of the gallery throughout the show, but... Um, you know, even though the Lower East Side is no longer a radical place, there's still some fear that they're in the middle of the night to be vandalized. And, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. I uh, would so, want to leave that right on the street. So we're are gonna, we are going to break it out for the opening, and hopefully it will um, 
We'll have it. How out. big is the piece? How what are the dimensions of the piece that you're of this so, piece on the sidewalk? So the piece is made out of huge, uh, right? 28. There's there's almost 30 tires in this piece. 28 tires. There's wow. like uh, four stacks of these seven tires that basically are stars and and stripes, red, white, and blue. And uh, it's funny where my studio is is right by the automotive high school over in the middle of McCarran Park, and they had a big stack of tires out in the back and I went over there one day and asked them if they were, if they, had, if they wouldn't mind if I took them off their hands, which they didn't. So now I have a giant stack of tires and after this show, I'm probably going to ask them if they can take them back. <laughs> With the word fuck on them? Right, exactly. <laughs> David, look at it this way. Maybe you'll Sell it. Maybe you I'll sell, sell it. it. That's always a possibility. That happens from time to time. And so did so. you have to carry all the how are you gonna who's gonna move it in and out? That's what I wanna know. Billy? Billy's yeah. gonna you're gonna get Billy. I'm to gonna get Billy now. I get it. I am so expensive. Billy, you wanna help? I am so expensive. I'm so expensive. You know what? You know what the last time I carried forget it. <laughs> 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 yeah, so David, that's a big job. I'm a little worried about it. I'm glad I'm not going to. That's the only reason. That's I'm why you're I'm out of town. Yeah. Well, it's too bad you're going to miss. Well, the we could we could have made we could have made Phil do the whole do it. You know, he kind of owes you a favor, right. <laughs> an installation <laughs> favor, because David Phil, my husband, uh, coerced. David Kramer into helping him do an install for him. Yeah. Never mind. True. We're not going uh, we to. We're not going to. We're not going to. We're not. You're just bringing that. up open wounds um, there. You're going to have to carry the tires, Phil. <laughs> 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 you know, Phil's in the house here in this residency here. He, he's like, he probably has his headphones on because he's not running in going, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? He doesn't listen to your live streaming. So, David, most of this, everything you made pretty much, but it, it's like stuff you made in your studio, except the, 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 the real wild card from what I, uh, observing you put the show together, you know, in, in little windows over i don't know you've been working on it for a while i know you're very very excited about it you put a lot into this you know in the last six months or so i know you've been really focused on it but the one wild card for you really was the video that you made right yeah there's a piece of uh, that was a wild card it was a wild wasn't card it? Well, it turned into a wild okay. card. <laughs> I mean, no, but I mean, am I right about that? It, um, it, how did that feel? Was that like, what was your thinking? Like, how did you like that? Was, I guess, uh, you know, making a video is always kind of risky, isn't it? Because it's not like making a piece of art where it's in your studio and you have control over it, blah, 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 production. So well, I, uh, I, tell, tell, talk about the video, like how you got well, first off, making it and. Wait, I just want to tell tell the listeners that uh, David makes some really great videos. He's had screenings at galleries of his videos. His videos have been at the Pomp- Pompidou, right? Yeah, I've shown my video videos at the Pompidou, Pompidou and so, the I mean, Whitney. This isn't David's first video, but mm-hmm. he doesn't make them all the time. And they are, as you all know from your having your own iPhone, that videos are tricky. So go ahead, tell us about the video. Yeah, well, I mean, just uh, I like 
to have a video component to my shows because it adds some, like I said, I always feel like the paintings and there's always some storytelling, backstory is always interesting, the anecdote. So a, a video is a really good way to deliver a story of sorts. And um, I don't know, this one kind of, uh, this kind of developed out of, like my studio is in a building in, in Williamsburg. I've had my studio in the same place for about uh, 15 years. And, uh, you know, Williamsburg, there just aren't that many artists left in that neighborhood. It just has uh, gone from being a kind of uh, uh, dog-eared kind of rough. I mean, North Greenpoint was not really a rough neighborhood, but this was where all the factories were and everything. It was kind of a rundown neighborhood. Anyway, my landlady and her sister kind of, uh, it was their building. They owned the whole block, and they kind of got divorced. And so my landlady um, kept half the studios together as they were and i was in that half and the other half they kicked everyone out and then they knocked down the building and in doing so they turned off all the power in our half of the building and we had to get a generator outside and they started digging holes to try to run power for con ed anyway it's been an arduous task to get power back into the building and so i've been going to work in my moving all those tires yeah well we're some of those tires because they still don't have power in the building other than it's like puerto rico over there right now we still don't have power so (laughs) we uh so anyway they're fucked up and you're paying and you're paying rent and we're paying rent so no we have power but it's on a generator but the so then there were people like workers coming in and jackhammering the floor and digging stuff they never told us uh, tenants at anything, at any point, like, hey, this is what's happening. It was just happening. So the video was just supposed to be like, I just wanted to do like this um, because it was so chaotic. I wanted to do a video shot just to kind of capture this of like a walk up, a walkthrough. Like I was thinking about like in Goodfellas, Martin Scorsese's film, when when uh, uh, the main, I forgot his name, the main character walks through the restaurant and goes to the club and he walks through the back he walks through the service entrance, through the kitchen, through the backstage, and then he winds up at a table right in front. And I wanted to kind of create that kind of a shot. David, is like one a one a one tracking shot thing? That's really ambitious. That was what, what I tried were you to shoot. Thinking? So I was thinking that I hired this kid to be my cameraman, who was a friend of my son's. And I was like, he can do it. Anyway, so I got it. This is where the wild card began. Your son is a freshman in college. (laughs) We're talking about an 18 year old kid. Okay, guys. So my son is uh, my son is 18. His name is Martin. And Martin lives in Montreal and he's studying filmmaking up in a in a university there, Concordia University. Anyway, when he was in high school, he and his buddies were making these films together. And uh, anyway, I. I ran into one of his friends on the L train and, and I, he told me he had dropped out of school and was working as a cameraman. So I thought, Oh, I'll, I'll, you know, maybe I could hire him so to you come thought, and help oh, me. Great. He Keith sounds Laver. responsible. Keith Laver, you're exploiting, <laughs> face it, David, you're exploiting teenage kids. He told me he was okay. like, you know, he wanted to get out of school so he could hustle. He was a hustler and he wanted to like, you know, he had, you know, was working on some jobs and, so anyway, I hired him to be to do this steady cam shot for me. And I and he said he could help me edit the video. And so anyway, Let me ask you something, David. I just want to ask you something. Did you talk to Martin? Did you get Martin's take on whether he was going to be a good guy to hire? <laughs> well, Martin used to work with these two friends with of his. He used to work with these two what? friends of his uh on films. Uh his friend Leo and this other kid and Sebastian and he told me, "Well, you know, I said to him, yeah, I ran to Sebastian. He sounds like a real hustler. And he said, yes, Sebastian's a hustler. 
And uh, Leo is a sociopath. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, I hired, Le- I hired Sebastian. And he, he came over and I got all these people together, including you. who was including in, the, Including you and Phil. I got about Phil, 12, a dozen people together and I had made some props and did all these things so we could have this long tracking shot up into my studio, which we shot, as you remember, I bought, I had a craft table. I bought smoked fish over at Acme. We had the whole yeah. craft table. We did a really nice, I mean, I did the whole shot. We spent, I got all these uh, 12 people whatever, to come over to do play parts as we had this sort of circus of going up the stairs into my studio to this sort of dissolving shot of me at the end. And uh, I had actually put it together. I had another friend who I became this art collector. He's actually is a, a collector, but he, I, I, I got him to play He's the part of the, the star. The I got him to play the collector the who kind of wanders through Williamsburg and notices that my building has been knocked down. And then he calls me up and finds out that my stu- it's the building next door. And he comes up to my studio. And that was basically what the premise of this film was going to be. Just like it was all about this one shot of how crazy my building had turned into as a result of this electrical problem. Anyway, we shot the film. And I gave a lot of notes to Sebastian. We were going to get together and he edited a clip for me, a piece of what, you know, of the whole thing. And then he disappeared. And that was all I had was this shot. A rough cut. It was like this and rough cut. And that was it. It was all I had. He disappeared. And we would occasionally. Did you call his mother? <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, this was like a crazy, this was crazy. I spent so much energy getting this whole thing together and doing this shot and making this whole thing happen. And all I had was like this one sort of pack, this thing that he sent me, which was very unfinished, very, but, but there was a lot of. Did you give him the money up front? (laughs) (laughs) David, you trusted a child. I trusted a kid. You trusted. Mm-hmm. With your <laughs> he was a hustler, exactly. Well, yeah, a, really got did, it. He was I a, just want to know, David, did you give him the money up front? Well, I did pay him, but it wasn't a lot of money. It was, I was, I, you know, there was more money to be made if I told him we would get together. And that. anyway, he, it was crazy because the guy did contact really, me at one. Really. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. At one point, glossing over it, glossing over it. Yeah. go ahead. Sorry. He called, I'll tell you though. He, this guy said to me, this kid said to me, uh, "Hey, you know, I got like an, a, a text message out of the blue from him, and he's like, I got the, I got, I, I took your notes about what we should do next with the editing, and I'm just uploading right now. I'm going to send it as soon as it's uploaded, and then I didn't hear from him again, and then he reemerged and said he was going to do it again, and anyway, by the third time, I just stopped responding to him, and I, but. I, I, um, but I did make my son feel very guilty about having a really irresponsible friend. <laughs> and did. my son, your son, what'd you do? But I ended up getting Martin. Uh, he came home from school for, uh, you know, on a planned vacation. And I said, you got to help me with this film. And we watched it. We, I was in Montreal. We watched it. Then he was coming home and we, he had some interesting ideas and I had some interesting ideas. And together it was very kind of cool. Cause I, the film turned out. I really, I think it's kind of great. It's very open-ended. Yeah. It doesn't have a, um, listen, it's not like a movie where there's a resolution at the end of it, but it is this experience of going through my building and seeing this kind of crazy change that's happened to the neighborhood. It's all in there. 
And it really couldn't happen without my son. And I, you know, it's funny for years, he would like kind of say things to me, like, I want to come over to your studio and, you know, help you. I'll help you. you like know, wrap how your... old? What age? Well, and he was like 16, 17. And he would come over and we'd get nothing done. He'd be like, let's go to Peter Pan. You get donuts. Can you buy me lunch? I'm starving. You know, like we got. No... And so I was always like, this kid is just never. Did, He's, did you it was feel more, like he wanted your attention no, and that's why he was asking, I don't think it, I don't you, think it was that. I think he really wanted to help. He just didn't know how. But this now, he completely saved my ass. He is like, now I feel like I'm really? working. I am working with someone who is like, uh, we're, we're on the same level now. He's more, he has skills that I have no handle of. Uh, and really? it's what, really were impressive. You surprised? Were you surprised how skillful he is? I was surprised how skillful he was. It was, it was, without him, really? this thing wouldn't have come together. It was great. So. How did, how did you feel? Was there a little bit of like, like, um, you know, like how Phil felt when he found out, when he realized his son like could kick his ass on a bike? Was it like, <laughs> oh God. Was it like, was there a little, was there a little bit of that, David? There was a little bit a little of that. Bit? Although he did send me a there text a yesterday, uh, while I was installing the show at the front room, I got a text from him and it was like, hey, I got an idea for a project we should work on together. And I immediately said, hey, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to get too sentimental here. This was, you know, there's still that catch so in the cradle like, song that we got to like live through. Working with him? Did, did he feel like did he really feel bad about like. Did he feel responsible or what was it like working with? Well, that was actually really funny. Uh, The one thing that was really funny about his friend who uh, he he was at a certain point, he just said to me, just forget about him. He's not your problem. The problem is you got to finish your film. And that was like pretty. Who said that to you? Wait, who said that? Martin said that to me. He was like, you got to. Martin said that so fucking mature. He was like, you know, there's no time to be angry at this kid anymore. You got to get this thing done. And so he but was. That's like that's such a good attitude. Yeah, it was. A, it was a, like mature attitude. Wow, good for him. It was great. So you know, I mean, he had some ideas, and some of them. Look, he had some ideas that we uh, were thought about adopting, and some that he just was very good about adopting my ideas. And 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 we we made some when he came to New York. We filmed a few things, and we splice them in before the walk up and after the walk up so it doesn't interrupt that part that we wanted that I had intended that Sebastian shot for me and so that's sort of the the skeleton of the film is what that guy Sebastian sent me as like a rough cut but it really works and holds the whole thing together and we hung a lot of fruit on it and now this thing Ah. kind of is a really nice I really love the way the video looks it's like I said uh, it doesn't you know, it's like a 70s film. It doesn't resolve any answers. It just leaves you in the sort of well, an interesting mood at the end of it. Part of a bigger, it's also part of a bigger show. I mean, it's, yeah. it's got a context. So I, I think it really... It's like going to a movie. I think it really enhances the, uh, the the installation. It's on a... Look, it's on a flat screen up against the wall. It's not a projected video. It's 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 an aspect of this entirety of my show... And so, you know, and I think it really adds a lot because the show, uh, all the paintings have a certain amount of complaint, a political kind of complaint. And this is sort of a political statement in that it's about gentrification, which is a political issue. It's about, you know, the uncertainty of of your studio and and the certainty of brunch in in Brooklyn. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can always get brunch. You might not be able to find a studio, but you can definitely get brunch now. Or people's, <laughs> or people's values and priority and how artists fit in there. Yeah. So do you feel like uh, do you feel like Martin um, really gets your aesthetic? Or did you guys like? Did you did you feel like you could really like? Was there like conflict? Did you did did you have the did you have arguments over ideas or was it? Were you clearly in charge? Did, oh, no. How he, did it go? It was my... He let me do my thing. He was very... He serviced my my vision. He let you have the vision. But uh, at a certain point, like, when we got this... Uh, when, I, when I had received this edited cut from this kid, Sebastian, it was layered. The sound was all layered. I had had a drummer drumming... Uh, and that was part of it. So as you went up the walk up, you would hear the sound of like the generator and then the sound of all the ambient noise of the construction that was going on and the mopping and everything else that was going on from my um, my the people who I got to do the 12 people I got to do different roles there to make noises and do things. And um, then the drummer and then you came into my studio and there was a music overlay of a song that I was into. So what I essentially did was I mentioned that to Sebastian originally, and he sent me a package of it all together um, rendered. So there was no way of separating the noise. So Martin and I had a long discussion about getting rid of all the noise. He had this idea because he was very into sound. He's really into sound, and he wanted to rebuild all the sound by using stock sounds of jackhammers and, uh, and, and whatnot. And I just ended up uh, going back to the drums, and we just stripped away all the sound except for the drums, and uh, that was what we ended up doing. But uh, and it really pulled the whole thing together. And um, we have a drum solo. We have our drum. Dr- the drum solo now becomes the the only sound of that walk up as it as you wow. go. Up. And so it yeah. turned out really that, great. But his really idea cool was aspect. super. It really motivated us through. We had to talk about that and get to that just to sort of unpack where we were. So I was really. It, he was very helpful in the creative wow. process. So. Wow. That was great. That. You guys had a so. growth experience. We had a growth experience. <laughs> Until Look he texted me about his project. <laughs> so, so you, I'm worried that you took away from Martin's schoolwork, do you think? Uh, well, I, he, I don't know. He's he a good student. He does well. Something else. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good student, though. He does well in school. But he no, was, yeah. yeah, no, but he, I bet it gave him a lot of confidence. I think, uh, what do you think? I think it was good for him. I mean, he, uh, he's, he's up in Montreal right now taking classes, and he's not, and it was, he got to work on a film project as a sort of, um, happened to be for me, but uh, he was, it was like he was a, uh, it was like his first, his first professional job as a professional editor working for somebody else, and, uh, and he now he knows what it's like right. to get not get paid. He gets stiffed. Which is the number one artist. lesson you should learn as an artist. Getting, at least You're never part, getting part paid. Of a college education, right? Getting a college education. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe a no. free few free meals. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, he's uh, unfortunately he can't. He's in the middle of school. He's he's going to come to New York uh, in a week or so, and he'll visit the show and see his work. And he's pretty pleased with it. And it was it was a great experience for us. But it was really kind of um, it was like I said when he used to come to my studio, I I always enjoyed the company. But it was like I'm not getting anything done today. 
<laughs> he's going to come right. over and I'm just going to like, you know, have to take him for our pizza and donuts and we're not going to get anything done. And, so. and, and what, what, what did, were you like, oh God, he's, I have to, I, you know, I got to let him, let him come to work. Right. He, yeah. He yeah. has to see what I do. Do, do you see do you see influence though somehow those studio visits like maybe not at the moment but maybe they had influence in the big picture on him yeah no he's a uh i think he's very serious about his uh filmmaking in a way that is uh miles ahead of where i was at his at his point when i was in when i went to school i i didn't know any artists i never knew i didn't know any what an artist did how an artist did their thing. I mean, he's in a different business, but it's a similar business, uh, what he's heading towards. But he has had, he, I think it's really influenced him. And I think aesthetically, he's seen a lot and he's building his own aesthetic. He's very... Uh, so the thing the art. thing that's cool is like you, you... Listen, guys, I know David has a very good work ethic. So do you think that's part of what he got from watching you, the work ethic thing? I don't think he got the work ethic thing from <laughs> you don't? One of the main reasons why he's in Montreal this summer was he, you don't ca- think, he came home for Christmas. He came home for Christmas. and I can't tell. Do you think he doesn't work? Do you think he's not that motivated? No, I think he's fine. Is but, that what but, you're saying, David? No, but when he came home for Christmas... I said to him, uh, he was there for about a week or so, and I said to him, you should stay in Montreal because you don't need me telling you that you shouldn't sleep till noon and that you need a haircut every day, and you're not going to have to hear it from me. So he's in Montreal doing what he does, but he's doing well in school, and he's making films and doing his thing, and I'm, I'm very impressed. And he, when it was time to get this thing together, he was able to organize himself to do my to help me with this project and it came he in. He got it done. He unlike, got it done. Unlike his pal. Unlike his pal. Unlike his pal. Who is I, he still in touch with his pal? I don't really know what happened with that guy, but I told him in my last he, email to him that I was going to um give him his credit in my film. Berate him on a radio But if show, anybody asked me about him, I would be unfiltered. So <laughs> So if he wants to use me as a as a if he wants to use me as a reference if, or show anyone that film at any point and they come to me, I'm just going to be unfiltered. That was, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so I'm not. So you can basically make or break a young filmmaker's yeah, career. Well, I, did, did, um, did Susan, your wife, have to intervene in any of this negotiation with, with your son? No, no, she was great. She was, I mean, she was pretty happy. I mean, she did want me not to bother him while he was in school. She, you know, that was the only. She didn't. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I, you know, he he had his own projects. What am I doing? But I think it was actually very, she understood it was a good thing for him and me and us to work together. So. So the work's all done and it's hung, right? The show is hung. I hung it yesterday. Crazy. So it's always weird. So it's just ready. It's ready to go. I mean, the weird thing about being an artist is, uh, you know, you you basically um, are not the center of attention. Your work is, so you put it up and you leave the room and you let the room do the talking. It's a very interesting kind of dynamic, very different from actors or from musicians. And you're really, um, you're just letting the work speak for itself. So it's it has started since I walked out of the gallery, so. That sounds something that, like what Robert Mueller said. 
I can't wait to hear how you got from that to Mueller. I can't wait. No, it doesn't, David. Everybody knows. Everybody, everybody knows. What what the fuck does Robert Mueller think? What the fuck is Kramer thinking? Come on. That's why there's words on my painting. Spell it out. You know what I think is great about having your own art opening? It's like a it's like your birthday party. You can you can drink as much as you want or do whatever, and no one can like no one's gonna like. It's like that's ah, his opening. Yeah, he do whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, Billy, true. I can't go. Are you gonna go to the opening? Because I want to hear how David behaves himself. You know, I'm, I'm I'm probably what I'm probably gonna do is because now that. Uh, He's had a good look at me, so I can't. I can't just walk in. I have to sneak in. I have to wear some kind of disguise and pretend that I'm somebody else, and 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 be as incog. I like to call it incognito. Incognito. I got to be a black guy that's funny. not noticeable. Right. So I'm gonna do that, and then I'm gonna. If he's there, I'm gonna just like stand behind him at certain points and go. This is really good. <laughs> and see if he recognizes that it's me and then uh then i'm sure everything will be great after yeah. that. yeah yeah it'll be uh yeah well it's good we didn't do another station ID. we didn't what we have to remind everybody that they're listening to radio free brooklyn dr lisa gets the shit every thursday two to three and i'm speaking with david kramer um, who's having an opening tomorrow at Front Room Gallery at uh, 48 Hester Street? Do you know Phil gives me shit that I don't? Uh, he says he's, he says that I don't give it to it. I don't remind people enough when um, they're listening, what they're listening to if they come in late. Did that's the kind of criticism I have to deal with? Yeah. There's no streaming underneath true? the. Uh, there's no streaming what? underneath the screen like on CNN, where you just know what you're <laughs> watching. But they tell you they put the quote on right after the person says it, right underneath. <laughs> I think I overdo it, actually. <laughs> Do you? Well, well, you. Yeah, and then and then I'll get yelled at if we don't do it enough. You know. Um. So, so um, so you. Finished all like you finished this work. Does this does this work particularly like? How do you feel? How do you feel like you were like? Were you working to the end, or was it rushed, or like? No, are you no, like, oh my god, I got it all work. done, or what are people going to say? Or I'm pretty excited. Some of the how work, are you feeling, David? I'm feeling good. Some of the work is uh, really brand new. The most recent painting in the show uh, is a is a big abstract painting, but with text on it. And the text says, I'm competing with kittens to get your attention, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is a reference. It's called hashtag pleasant cats. And that one's kind of a funny. I mean, it's kind of a sad, funny painting. But um, my father-in-law passed away this past uh, uh, the, in the fall, right in the late fall. And uh, he was sick for a long time. And my wife would go out and visit him and, and her mother all the, all the time. And she said that mm. he would come. She would come and he would, you know, be in, 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 taking morphine on, in hospice. And she would, he would mm. always say to her, they had a big TV right at the end of the bed. And he'd always say, put the kittens on. I want to watch the kittens. And he liked watching, <gasps> these, really? he liked watching these YouTube kittens uh, 
shows. Really? Uh, yeah, he loved that. And he never owned a cat in his life. He owned dogs. He was a dog guy. But, like, in his sort of, you know, the in the waning days of his life, he just loved watching the kittens. And, uh, and so... It was a little bittersweet joke, but it is about like, you know, how social media has just, you know, like it's the either you're listening to like this garbage that the president is putting out there on Twitter or you're looking at kittens <laughs> somewhere in between <laughs> <Well, well, laughs> and somewhere in between. I'm trying to get everyone's attention. <laughs> you know, I feel that way about cute animal videos. There's something about them. I call it like animal porn, but yeah. there's something about it that is so like visceral. There's something about I don't about, know what yeah. it is. I don't, you know, it's funny, even my wife became addicted, so we would sort of sit together in bed and I'd be watching the news, you know, when Rachel Maddow, and she'd be looking at her phone at the cats playing with yarn. <laughs> So cute. <laughs> That's what we need. It keeps you calm in these sort of crazy days here. So, well, I keep thinking about how Instagram has really changed the entire art world. Don't you think? Yeah, I think Instagram is. You know, it's funny. Last summer, uh, I think I I, ta- I talked to you about this uh, before, but I did this uh, residency and I went to Zurich for a few about five weeks, and I decided while I was there I was going to do this. Uh, Instagram residency. So everything I made while I was on the residency, I just hashtag Zurich resident, Zurich artist residency, hashtag Zurich artist residency. And I just would, I was very prolific. So I put stuff on Instagram once, twice, sometimes three times that day. I was making small drawings, big paintings. And uh, it really kind of like uh, got my career, which at the time there was very little going on a year ago. Now it was sort of kind of, this was that was what was going on. And now I'm very busy. Now I have all kinds of stuff going on. And I feel like um, a lot of it sort of transpired because of this like Instagram sort of explosion that I was doing. I suddenly had a lot more uh, galleries were following me. I don't know how it happened, but somehow really? it started to spread and spread and spread. And um, I really attribute Instagram to a lot of the attention I get right now. And it's funny. I was at a, uh, a show recently and I ran into this artist I know who's ve- doing really well. This guy, Rico Gatson, he's doing fe- phenomenally oh, yeah, well I right now. Him. And that's I great. said to nice Rico, guy. who's an old friend of mine, a sweetheart, I said, hey, Rico, man, you are doing, I see you're, you're doing great. And he said, what about you? You're doing good too. And I said, only on Instagram. <laughs> 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 but I mean, Instagram is a great, I mean, you know, a lot of people, the nice thing I like about Instagram personally is like, it, I, I use it as a uh, place to put up pictures of my work almost exclusively. And I, a lot of people do that. I, there are people that mm-hmm. put up pictures of the sunsets and all that other stuff. And I look at those and I just paint pictures of their sunsets <laughs> and then write text on them. <laughs> it, is a, it, is a good, it is a good way to, you know what I feel bad? I feel bad like, um, for people that make those kind, the kind of paintings that, or artwork or anything really, that really needs to be, I mean, all, all, we all know like everything is better in person, including going to the movies is better in a movie theater. Right. But the thing is, is that um, there's a lot of really great work that just does not translate well to Instagram. 
Right. Yeah, my work, my paintings are kind of, I always joke that my paintings are kind of like handmade memes because they're like pictures with words on top of them. And when you take a picture of it and put it on an Instagram frame, it's just like the prop, it's the perfect format to look at the paintings. I think it's true. Some people make paintings that don't photograph well. And mine probably don't photograph that well, but they look good with a screen with light behind it. It just makes everything kind of look better. So. Well, well, but it's also like the idea, I mean, your idea, and um, I like work like this, which is partly why I like your work so much, is that I like work that has um, more of an intellectual meaning, meaning that you can think about it it isn't just like a visceral or like a an emotional response purely mm-hmm. right. you know a lot of work is really just i think there's a lot of art where you're really being asked to have a pretty emotional response right yeah i think so or or you're supposed and i to think that work i think that work um is tough on instagram Right. But I also don't like the idea of training people to look at art on Instagram. I don't like that idea. Right. Right. Yeah. But uh, you know what it comes down to, I think, is that through all of this social media and online stuff, it's basically uh, talked everybody into pretty much staying in their living rooms all the time. Yeah. You don't need to go anywhere. <laughs> you know, the, the, the difference now is now you have something to do. I used to stay in my living room all the time, but now I have something to do when I'm there. <laughs> I just sit there and stare at the wall, but now I can look at, I look at other people's art. Yeah, but, but you also, there's also like less reason to go out and see people, you know, less reason to do anything, to go anywhere. Yeah, it's really I mean, interesting. Why, why, why would you want anybody to see you in public when you spend all your time looking good for, in, you know, for Instagram, right? Yeah. Then if they see you in real life, yeah, man, it's harsh. Yeah. If you care, which I don't really. It is really um, interesting, though. Like the, uh, I always am talking about this in particular. My wife and I are always sort of commenting because, like, in back when we used to like participate i used to write much more long-winded kind of text-based pieces and then i would read them at these performances and she would do these she was part of this sort of performance art kind of you know she was sort of dabbling in that and doing things and we were always saying like it was weird we would go do these things at galleries or in dark you know black box theaters downtown and people showed up right and how did they come we don't even know there was no facebook there were just like Word of mouth, people putting signs up with tabs, or you maybe put an an ad in the Village Voice or some or whatever free yeah. press there was. But how did people yeah. know? And people came and went, and now people seem really willing to wait online much more. No, you're right about that. It was really interesting. Well, you know what really scares me is um, these teenagers, particularly I think about teenage girls or what could have happened to me or you know, people, you know, my peers at, as like, they, they like make up all these stories and they photograph themselves in all these different places and all this shit. They, have you read about that? No. These girls that just like live, they like pretend they're at all these, going to all these places. Uh, and then they put it out on Instagram and like, none of it's true. Like you could make up a whole, life that way 
<laughs> wow. Which is sad. Yeah. Very sad. It's <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> I can't read the I should, the but it's giving me an idea. Maybe I should be doing that. Why live your life? Just live it on, you know, just pose yourself in different places. Well, I would, uh, if you were satisfied with that as like your, you know, like your art thing, like Cindy Sherman taking right. pictures like a movie still, that's pretty great. But if you're just throwing it up there and then you're still dissatisfied. Mm. You got a problem. <laughs> then well, I do feel sorry for you. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think... If you're I really think, good at think, it, though, you know, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, it would be great, right? If, you're, if, if, if you know how to capitalize. Yeah, you or, know how to capitalize or, yeah. on that. Or you're really into it. But I think that... Here's me on the space show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, like get really dressed up in gowns and just go to like all the like film openings. Go well, to I want to see. Just, I want to see you put up on Facebook, on Instagram uh, tomorrow that you were at my opening, <laughs> even though you're not going to be there. I might. Hey, hey, there you I go. Might. I'm going to. I think I will. A little Photoshop. Maybe you can post. Yeah. I'm going to find. You know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to. I'm going to get a picture that somebody else took, and I'm going to Photoshop myself in there. You'll see. I know. I'm so bummed I can't go to the opening that I'm at this great artist colony. Yeah, so what are you doing up there? Are they giving you, like, picnic basket lunches for you to – so you don't have to leave your studio? You have, Mm. like – you're making – No, not quite like that. Not quite like that. But we we are out in the woods. I did a residency uh, once at uh, at Yado, Yado, and at Yado, yeah, the, the they A-list told they residency. they said that you were not allowed to talk to anybody if you saw them on the, like in between the buildings on the paths. If you ran into someone, unless you both somehow wordlessly acknowledged that it was okay, <laughs> you were supposed to give the other person a wide, <laughs> a wide breath. <laughs> unless you wink at them. <laughs> So, so could you like? Could you have sex with them? As uh, as I think you talk? could. I think you could. As long as, as, long as you didn't talk. <laughs> oh. So anyway, I, hopefully they have that kind of a silent kind of arrangement there, and you and Phil can not no. talk to each other and have an excuse. <laughs> I think this is. I think this is quite more. I think this is quite more informal than that. Well, a, a lot more informal. My husband and I have like a separate cabin because you can get a cabin here. And then um, they have a couple of cabins that you can apply for. And then they have most of the other, the bigger group in the main, the main house, which is all mostly beautiful young women, frankly. Wow. <laughs> so maybe Phil will be staying behind. I don't know. It's <laughs> Yeah, hanging on those picnic baskets. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you tomorrow, next Tuesday. Tomorrow's huh? the share, though, where we'll all be sharing our work with each other. So I'll get we'll get to see what everybody does uh, and stuff like that. Wow. So uh, when did you get there? Um, I got here. Um, when was it? Was it last Thursday? A week oh, ago. A week ago. Wow. But I'm doing this um, benefit at just. Sama, so I had to leave for a couple of days. I'm very excited. I'm going to be doing a 
psychotherapy, and I have a little office set up at this benefit for Shasama, which is a great organization. So, um, yeah, so that kind of interfered a little bit. But besides that, you know, it's just great being outside outside in nature. But uh, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back for our party on the 14th, our Radio Free Brooklyn 4th and 4th anniversary. Do you guys know this is my 199th show? David, you are my 199th guest. That's fantastic. Isn't that incredible? Incredible, right? That's great. So you're gotten so, so much, you're gotten so good at it. You can just phone them in I now. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get Billy to take the thing over now. I don't Billy, know if you, you want know. to do that. I mean, I would I, I would do would it. Be, I think you could you could do that. You're at the studio anyway. You might. Yeah, I'm already well. here. So I mean, what the hell? <laughs> I take over a few other shows while I'm here. Actually. <laughs> Billy, you know what? We could just turn over the whole station to you, and you could be the DJ. Oh, you know what? The it, DJ it would talk be, show host. It, it would be, uh, I don't know. Over. <laughs> I don't. Want, I don't know if I want people to know those that many things about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he wails well, like a dog. Well, it's amazing. <laughs> David, you know Billy was a guest on my radio. On my show one day, we I had we, nice. we we had him as a guest, and uh, the 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 hot, the headline from the show was that Billy oh. made out with Marion Faithful. Oh, all right, all right. I'll have to go back to the archive for that. <laughs> no, but but when but when they were you know in her heyday, in her uh, heyday. Oh yeah, when she was cute. In the <laughs> I'm sorry, anybody who took offense to that, but I'm sorry, she was cute. Did you get any diseases? <laughs> she was, you know what? I'm, I'm telling you, the only thing I want to say about that is that after I was finished, I think I told you this, uh, I was working in a record store, and the, everybody was staring at me. And the, and I was, like, proud, you know, that I made out with a famous rock person. And he said, do you know where those lips have been? <laughs> <laughs> and that made me that's more proud. A- I said, I'm, like, with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here, you know? It's like, I'm- <laughs> It's all perspective. I like your perspective. The same lips that were on Mick Jagger's dick. (laughs) (laughs) I'll walk down the street and say that. Secondhand gave a blowjob to Mick Jagger. I'll tell people that. I'm going to go back and put that in there. Try to chop me. Uh, Mick and Keith. Yeah. Billy, we got one minute left. We've got to right. wrap this shit up. All right. Okay, we got to go. All right. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. David, say, say the stuff about where and when your show is again. Go on. Okay. Hurry up. Please come to tomorrow night, 7 to 9, over on Hester and Ludlow at the Front Room Gallery. Uh, my show is called um, David Kramer, Tired Jokes. It's up for the month of June. And it's going to be up until? End of June. End of June. The date. You don't even know? I don't know. (laughs) Billy, thanks so much for helping out today. No problem. And remind...